work is the master of the modern world. For most people, it is impossible to imagine society without it. It dominates and pervades everyday life more completely than at any time in recent history. An obsession with employability runs through education. Even severely disabled welfare claimants are required to be work seekers. Corporate superstars show off their epic work schedules. Hard-working families are idealized by politicians. Friends pitch each other business ideas. Tech companies persuade their employees that round-the-clock work is play. Gig economy companies claim that round-the-clock work is freedom. Workers commute further, strike less, retire later. Digital technology lets work invade leisure. In all these mutually reinforcing ways, work increasingly forms our routines and psyches and squeezes out other influences. And yet work is not working for ever more people in ever more ways. As a source of subsistence, let alone prosperity, work is now insufficient for whole social classes. In the UK, almost two-thirds of those in poverty, around 8 million people, are in working households. In the US, the average wage has stagnated for half a century. As a source of social mobility and self-worth, work increasingly fails even the most educated people. In 2017, half of recent UK graduates were officially classified as, quote, working in a non-graduate role. Work is increasingly precarious. More zero hours or short-term contracts, more self-employed people with erratic incomes, more corporate restructurings for those with actual jobs. Whether you look at a screen all day or sell other underpaid people goods they can't afford, more and more work feels pointless or even socially damaging. What the American anthropologist David Graeber called bullshit jobs in his famous 2013 article. Among others, Graeber condemned, quote, private equity CEOs, lobbyists, PR researchers, telemarketers, bailiffs, and the, quote, ancillary industries, dog washers, all-night pizza delivery that only exist because everyone is spending so much of their time working. Unsurprisingly, work is increasingly regarded as bad for your health. Stress, an overwhelming to-do list, and long hours sitting at a desk, the Cass Business School professor Peter Fleming notes in his new book, The Death of Homo Economicus, are beginning to be seen by medical authorities as akin to smoking. And away from our unpredictable, all-consuming workplaces, vital human activities are increasingly neglected. Workers lack the time or energy to raise children attentively or to look after elderly relations. The crisis of work is also a crisis of home, declared the social theorists Helen Hester and Nick Cernick in a paper last year. And finally, beyond all these dysfunctions loom the most discussed, most existential threats to work as we know it, automation and the state of the environment. Some recent estimates suggest that between a third and a half of all jobs could be taken over by artificial intelligence in the next two decades. Other forecasters doubt whether work can be sustained in its current toxic form on a warming planet. That audio was from The Guardian, an article called titled Post Work by Andy Beckett, and it was read by Richard Berry. 
Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And, and everybody, please. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and we, we are so happy to have you guys for episode 45. This is, is work working for us? And can work and freedom coexist? That's something we're going to explore. And maybe even figure out the question, does work numb us somehow? Um, and also, we wonder if we've been right about some of this about the pandemic. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. So stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned. Um, I want to tell everybody to follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube. And they can find us at www.rethinkinghumanity.us. Do it. <clears throat> and also subscribe to us on YouTube. As Sonia said, um, we are at 70 ish and we want to get to a hundred and maybe I will um, have a rethinking humanity shirt out to someone who is the hundredth subscriber or once we get to a hundred subscribers. So yeah, find us on YouTube. If you're with us right now on YouTube, hi, say hello, please. In the chat. Thank you for being here. We're a day later than we normally are, but that's life and we're here. So it's all good. All good. Sonia, what's up? Well, I'm just excited about talking about this subject. It's like every time I turn around and open up uh, my app uh, to read an article or, you know, online, it's all about work. So I think we're talking about a subject that um, is just, it's evolving. It's changing. It's a- yeah, it's a big deal right now. So many people, I think, are more aware of the challenges around work and the role that work plays in our lives now, post-pandemic. So I definitely think it's a timely um, a thing for us to be discussing. And um, I'm excited to to continue to talk about it. You know, there was something else I wanted to share Um I, other than what we've been reading. And we'll get to that in a second. I was wondering, Sonia, um, if you wanted to share about what you've been reading or anything that you read or heard podcast-wise that you're like, man, this is so cool. Um, let me think. I think tonight we're going to play something that I heard on a podcast. So I'm excited about that. That yeah. was really cool. I learned a lot. So yes. that's kind of one of my latest things. And I'm still reading the same book, the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, yeah, just keeping up with this, the news daily, the news and all sorts Mm of, you know, changes ever. It's, it's challenging because there's so much coming at us, you know, between the contemporary stuff and then, you know, things that interest me. It's uh, we live in a real information age. It's overwhelming sometimes. Super overwhelming. It's, it's hard for me to keep, just even make the effort to keep up sometimes because there's just so much and then a lot of times it's negative and it's just like, yes. man, I feel depressed. I don't even know if I want to listen to this anymore, you know? Yeah, that's that's where I'm coming at. I like to be educated, but I'll read article after article and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like you said, can be overwhelming. Yeah, it can. Well, there was one thing that I wanted to share um, real quick before I get to that, though. I, Sonia, you know, I started an improv class this week. Oh, um, yeah. How'd that go? And- it was amazing. It was really, really fun. And the values of improv are really incredible. They're very much focused on collaboration and, um, 
you know, listening, good listening skills and being supportive of your co, you know, co-performers. And so I'm really excited about that. And I think that the values of improv line up a lot with like the values of from, honestly, it's crazy. Wow. So, um, yeah. Anyway, if you, if you haven't ever seen any improv, check out, uh, whose line is it anyway? It's a funny show. Um, and you know, if you're interested in learning more about it, obviously you can, you know, Google it or whatever, but that's been fun. And apparently it's something that helps you become even uh, a better public speaker. So hopefully it'll impact the podcast in a positive way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, real quick though, before we get, uh, into whether me and Sonia have been right about the, po- about the pandemic in some ways, um, I wanted to share one thing really quick and it is about this artist who actually, I just found out tonight, Victor told me that he's from Atlanta. His name is Little Nas X. I don't know if anybody who's listening knows him, but he's a rapper. And I saw his video for Industry Baby, the song, um, recently, and I was shocked. You know why? If you're watching this video right now, you'll see because Victor's going to pull it up. He's going to play it. I'm just going to let it. I'm just going to let you guys see what I saw. I was really shocked. Victor, when you're ready. Okay. So if you're watching on video with us right now, you will see the part of that video where little Nas X and a bunch of other men are dancing naked in a shower at the prison <laughs> sentenced to in this video. Why is that something that I'm talking about on the rethinking humanity podcast? Here's why. Do you know of any videos where there was a bunch of men scantily clad dancing around you know, or naked? Not often. And little Nas X, if ever, right? We think of that and we think of women who do that. And I think I just want to commend little Nas X for doing this because he didn't care about what anybody thought. And he flipped this whole patriarchal um, idea of what dancing people in a video are supposed to look like on its head by doing this. I mean, it's a shocking thing, obviously, to see that, I think. But I think it's something to think about why it's so shocking for us to see it. And so that's why I wanted to to mention it and shout out to him. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, by the way, I love that song, and I only know about it because of the gym. Because at the gym, they play that kind uh, of, all okay. kinds of rap music and fun, fun stuff. And so I found out about that song, and then I watched the video, and I was like, "Wow, this is." Lil Nas X is unapologetic, man. He just does not give a shit. <laughs> and I love that. I think we need more genuineness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. anyway, wanted to share that. Um, for those of you who are listening to us on the podcast, uh, audio form, check out the video if you want. Uh, it's pretty cool. All right. So Sonia. Yes. Tell me about this. I think, I wonder if we've been right. Tell me what you heard on this podcast. Well, um, it's the name of the podcast. It's a Sam Harris podcast and it's called what have we learned from the pandemic? Now I got to tell people it's long Mm -hmm. and I advise if you want to listen to it to break it up, but it was really interesting. And, um, 
you know, obviously we're just going to talk about one little part of this podcast, but something that Lacey and I talked about is how did the pandemic start? Now there's Mm -hmm. different theories out there. So I want to keep people to keep in mind that they haven't really determined yet. It's not like, oh, this is a hundred percent because it's science. They're, They're having to evaluate. But one of the theories is it's called zoonetic diseases. It's diseases that go from the animals to the humans. And there's a little section that I can play for people. Mm-hmm. Well, most listeners will be aware of the fact that even in our own lifetimes, there have been many zoonotic diseases. Zoonotic means a disease circulating in animals that comes to humans. HIV is a, was a simian immunodeficiency virus, was in monkeys, came to us. Ebola, we hear about Ebola outbreaks. Zika virus, Hantavirus, SARS-1 in 2003. These happen, and there is evidence that there was a nice paper published in Nature about 10 years ago now, approximately, or approximately, that that showed that if you look at zoonotic diseases by decade, we're getting more and more and more of them as each decade goes by. And part of the reason for that, actually, believe it or not, connects this global threat of pandemics to the other great global threat of our time, which is climate change. That with climate change, we're seeing increasing motion of people encroaching on the territory of animals, and also animals, their territories being destroyed by climate change, they come in contact with us. So we have more and more contact between humans and wild animals, and therefore more and more of these zoonotic, you know, leaps that are happening. First mm. point. Second point. There we go. Man. Wow. That is just amazing. That's cool. That's very cool. And I mean, it is what we've said in the past, like we've kind of, caused this in some ways because of the zoonotic element where diseases pass from animals to humans because we were jacking up their environment. Not only are we jacking it up by cutting down trees and building shit, but also now what I love, I didn't realize this part, Sonia, the the climate change element. Yes. I think that's what really struck me because I know you and I have talked about it. Just, I mean, I don't have a science background. I don't think you do either, but we're just using our common sense and saying, you know what? The world is changing. We, we obviously know that we're going into the oceans. We're going into the Amazon. As you said, we're chopping down the forests. Um, so it doesn't really, it's not that complicated. I think that there is some truth to that, uh, that the climate, obviously we are, human beings are making an impact. And of course we're infringing on the animals and we're, we're more and more taking that space. So that's not a big leap for me. I, could, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. So incredible. That podcast, guys, I haven't listened. I've only listened to maybe 20 minutes of it. It's incredible. I was sending Sonia voice messages earlier. I was like, this is so good. You said something about what was the, do you remember the first little message I sent you? about? So I'm glad you reminded me because I think this is pretty important. Um, One of the things they point out is that we don't realize how the pandemic, other ways it's going to be affecting us. You sent yeah. that message. Like we know, obviously, it's horrific, the deaths and the illness, but it's also the economy. There's yes. so many other aspects of going through this. It's like, I don't think people, we're, we're going to still be feeling the aftershocks of like living in this. And he talks, it, when you keep listening to it, he talks about if we don't, if things don't change, like we could have another pandemic. Um, within our lifetime, you know what I mean? Like typically yes. you'd be like, oh, once every hundred years. No, it could, be, there could be another one in 10 years. And you could just imagine. 
Right. Uh, so it's really, it's, it's interesting. It's a lot of science, a lot of, a lot of info. Yeah. He, he was doing some math on there and he was saying something like the math was like, probably when all the dust settles, we're looking at a million deaths. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, like in the U.S. And he said, if you think of that, like he's like, I don't think we're really aware of how big of a dent this is put in to our lives. And he said, um, if the if Russia would have invaded and killed a, a million people in the U.S., there would have been a way more yeah. you know, larger response and, you know, um, just much more. And also wrecked the economy, by the way. You know, if Russia came in, killed a million people and wrecked the economy, it would have been like, whoa, alarm bells everywhere. And this is just, that's not what's happening at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know tonight's topic is work, how you can tie this all in, is in the beginning of the podcast, we had the clip where we talk about how work actually, you know, affects the toxic, you know, it, it is toxic on our planet because the consumption and mm -hmm. the constant, you know, producing and industrialization that it all ties in. Yeah. That's the, the next thing I thought about when he said that about climate change, I was like, Oh my gosh, that ties into work and in, in, and the themes that we're talking about, because, Hey, the more we push ourselves to produce and then consume, the more we're damaging the planet at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. for example, palm oil. I don't know if you guys know much about it, but I just did some research on it. Did I tell you about this, Sonia? No, I want to hear because I know um, about palm oil. Palm oil, I've done a little bit of research. Don't quote me on all these things, but um, it's used in a lot of household goods. Mm -hmm. Like they, it's put, used in but, peanut butter. It's used in other different things that are not edible too. And <clears throat> apparently... Um, they, the, there's rainforests that are being cut down for that. And there's chimpanzees. There's a lot of chimp, is it chimpanzees? There's some, there's some species of monkey. I'm sorry, guys. I don't remember exactly, but that's being, um, that's like going in extinct because of that. And wow. so again, this is the connection of the work, the workers who are doing that job of getting the palm oil right and then we're buying the if we stop buying stuff with palm oil in it you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. that that's gonna, yeah. so all of it it's just it kind of reminds me of like your the body you know like physical mental emotional health it's all intertwined work you know um climate change environmentalism family, all of this. family exactly it's all intertwined yeah no yeah, yeah. check it out guys it's good Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Um, cool. Well, let's just go ahead and then jump into what we have next. You know, we're continuing our series on work. And the big question is, is work working for us? And what you heard, I'll just say again, um, at the beginning was audio from an article in The Guardian that was written by Andy Beckett. <clears throat> and our friend Richard Berry read that. Thank you, Richard. It was excellent. And it talks a little bit about what we just talked about, cl climate change. Also, um, working work, the crisis of work being a crisis of home. We're going to get to that um, as well as kind of like this element of, you know, control, um, work as a means of social control and our fear of freedom in the midst of that. And that was the question that I asked early on in the teaser 
can work and freedom coexist? We're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But before we do, we wanted to share a video, another New York Times um, a video, or sorry, New York Times piece, but this time it's an opinion video. Um, Sonia, you found this, didn't you? Yeah, and I forgot. I looked at it again. It was really good. Yes. Um, it's kind of like a little documentary that they made, right? Again, some of these these articles we found, guys, we found them like a couple months ago, and yeah. we just re- re you know put them all back together again we're like we got to do a, a series mm -hmm. on these um but the title is work i think it numbs you somehow and um victor has this he's gonna play it victor will you keep the audio kind of low because it's in um the the quote that the first guy that's that's being interviewed he's speaking in another language and it pops up in english on the bottom of the screen but I'm just going to tell you what he says. Um, so, and I'm not sure exactly where this is. My apologies. Do you remember? I think it's a good three or four minutes in. Yeah. These kids are yeah. like cheering every time that guy shovels dirt. Right, right. They're watching. <laughs> him him. Yeah. yeah. There we go. That says jobs for all. Um, Victor, can you try uh, going forward to like four or five minutes? I don't know if that's too far. We'll see. Okay, so go back about one minute because that was after. That was before. Yes, a little bit further. Um, this is the guy that we are going to be sharing about this interview. I'm sorry, a little bit further back. Perfect. Perfect, yeah. Yep. So it's showing kind of an assembly line. So he's saying he's asking, what do you think this assembly line means for people working on the assembly line? And he says, I think it numbs you somehow. It makes you indifferent. And you don't have to make any decisions because it's so repetitive. He says, so you simply stop thinking. And this state continues when you go home. You don't start thinking again just because you've left the workplace. You're the same person in your free time as you are at work. So that means that you choose activities that don't demand much commitment or effort. Like looking at sports, watching TV. And he says, is that because you're tired after work? He says, yes, both mentally and physically tired. Because your mind hasn't been activated in the right way. This is so fascinating. Activated. What do you mean? I mean having to think. Okay. Yeah, we can stop it there. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, so interesting that he goes to like, you aren't having to think like we're not thinking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For people that, um, you know, either if you watch it or don't watch it, it's basically showing a lot of these uh, kind of jobs that are repetitive where you see people stamping something or making a part of, you know, from a machine. 
and mm-hmm. it just seems very like robotic and it's they play the same music it's kind of depressing because you can just see them going through the same motion like yep. over and over and over again so yep. i thought it was really fascinating like when they interviewed this guy that he actually has he has an awareness i don't know that everybody would but he's saying you know it makes you numb i mean yeah. he says exactly how i'm sure many people are feeling but maybe they don't they're not able to verbalize it and the fact that he says you're tired physically and mentally mm-hmm. and that's interesting and then i think when he says you know just going home and watching which a lot of us could probably relate to where you just sit in front of you know just anything that like the tv and you just kind of zone out because you've been all those hours at that kind of work environment yeah and you know it's funny is from writes about this in the art of loving actually he he says the exact same thing that this guy just said it's crazy um, but basically what he says is that the reason why we come home after a, a job like that and, and many jobs even now, but we'll come back to that, um, tired is because when we are not actually fully engaged in something in, in a genuine way from an, an autonomous place, that's actually tiring. But when we're actually engaged and we're concentrating, we are present in the moment and we are acting from our inner core, that isn't tiring. That actually is energetic. That actually gives us energy and right. it and it helps us. We want to keep going. Yeah, and so, yeah. In the flow, they sometimes call that. Yeah. And so part of the reason why work even today, not even, yeah, a, a freaking factory, of course, it's going to feel like that. Right. But even today, even um, retail jobs, even some blue collar jobs, I would say like there is this sense or there's this element of repetitiveness that uh, that people experience in their jobs. And that I think is a similar thing that, to what he's talking about. It's this numbing agent and because we're so compartmentalized with the jobs that we do, kind of like we've talked about many times on the podcast with the building a table um, example, you're just putting the guy that puts the leg on the table. It's super easy to not be engaged like that and not near, there's no autonomy really. And so it's, it's mind numbing and that's basically where we're at with it. Yeah. I was thinking even being like a telemarketer and just sitting (laughs) at a desk, calling nonstop, you know, yes. those are all even jobs that can be white collar could be very yes. repetitive, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think of a, like a um, bus drivers doing the same route, uh, drivers who are dropping off packages, um, even a lot like a paralegal probably would be along those lines. Even a lot of doctors, their jobs are, it's the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again you know? And so that's a monotony that can be really mind numbing. And then, and it is mind numbing, which is again, what, um, what Frome says. And I think as humans, we really need, um, the variety, uh, and change. Right. And I think we're all, when we think about humanity, we're all sort of responsible in, in looking at that system because in that video, they also show a scene um, I think that there it's a factory of making clothes where they're working these crazy hours and they're laying on the clothes sleeping because it's wow. a demand. 
yeah, the demand for, you know, say, I don't know, the jeans or whatever it is that they're making. And right. obviously uh, the employer wants to make a profit. So you need more goods and you need goods at a lower price and you need to pay your people less. So it's a kind of a, it's, you know, an ongoing issue. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the part that we showed just before the interview with that guy is a, this lady who was in the factory with the bottles and mm -hmm. the look on her face is just like, death you know death, yeah <laughs> it's like this is so <laughs> awful i mean i never thought about um you know factory work in too much detail until watching that and i'm like wow that would be life-sucking yeah. man that would right. be tough and then they have injuries you know in the sense that you keep using one arm right so that one arm you know you have yep. a problem and then now you have to go see a doctor get physical therapy for right. a job <laughs> right. And yeah. and this is like, you know, 12 hours a day kind of stuff. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Too much. Uh, Victor, I'm wondering if you still have that up easily. There's a quote from this woman named, I believe I'm saying her name right, Winnie Bayanima. Mm -hmm. And um, she actually speaks a little bit about like the corporate world and how that all um, kind of takes place. It's about 10 minutes about 10 minutes in this one was really hard to find the timestamps in for whatever reason. Did you notice that Sonia? Yeah. But yeah. now I'm remembering this clip is really good. This it's audience. really good. Yeah. It's a little bit further back. What's up YouTube? Yeah. It's before him for sure. Right now. There's a business model that is this is the quote. So if we can just find it, it flashes her name at the top. The ordinary people down the supply chains and to damage the environment, damage communities, and then not pay their fair share of taxes. The top executives of these companies are among the highest paid in the world. Victor, can you go back just a little bit to where this begins? Like maybe a minute before. Victor's awesome. Thank you, Victor. Yay. Yay. was declining, reducing. Okay, just a little bit further. This is the woman. It's not difficult to see why. Last year alone, the wealth of billionaires was rising by $2.5 billion a day. And the wealth of the bottom half of humanity, 3.8 billion people, was declining reducing by $500 million a day. It's not difficult to see why. There's a business model that is continues to maximize for a few owners of capital and to cheat the ordinary people down the supply chains and to damage the environment, damage communities, and then not pay their fair share of taxes. The top executives of these companies are among the highest paid in the world. That's it. That's it, Victor. Thank you. She said the top executives of these companies are the highest paid in the world, but they're doing the most damage to the environment. They're paying people the least. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. That was what I remembered that showed people sleeping on the clothes. Oh yeah. They're having to produce. They're just having right. to produce. And the Appreciate numbers she said were pretty staggering. 
how they, you know, every day they're making millions or it might have been billions. See, I, I forget even now just hearing her, but I know it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's staggering. Yeah. You have such a disparity. Between the, the working yeah. class and, and those, yeah. Sheesh. So good stuff. <clears throat> we'll leave the link to that um, in the description box um, and also in the description of the podcast episode. Uh, round of applause for Victor. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, Victor. <clears throat> okay, cool. Well, let's jump into um, a little bit more from the, uh, the article that we had on the docket for last week's episode. We just didn't make it because the other, the other article was just fantabulous. Um, but also just some general ideas. Um, the, the, to start, the idea that the crisis of work is a crisis of home. And um, Sonia, what are your thoughts here? Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I've thought about this many times and I've had people even say to me that until they realize it, you know, I think until people have like a family and I know you and I've talked about, it, it's one of the reasons you said you've thought twice about that is that, you know, work takes up so much of people's emotional and physical energy. They don't have the time or the energy to even be at home. And I'm not even talking about physically, mentally. And so yes. it does point out that, you know, I, I wonder how family oriented we are because that, you know, shows you're not really taking care of the, your integral people around you. There's higher divorce rate, you know, child abuse, um, I'm right. sure spousal abuse. It just, it seeps in, work will seep into every aspect of life. And I think the family is a good example of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when, when work is the thing that kind of dominates our lives, which as you heard in the intro, um, it really does weave into every element of our lives and then, and then kind of determines what we're going to do with our time. It's kind of, when that's the case, it's really difficult to do the things that you need to do in order to build the kind of relationships that give the satisfaction that we need as human beings from relationships. We need love. We need connection. <clears throat> we need to be able to be authentic. We need to be able to be heard. We need to be able to have difficult conversations and be honest and say to the person who we've made our life partner or to our kids, when something's not okay, we need to be able to do that. And <clears throat> increasingly I'm hearing over and over and over again of, you know, relationships crumbling, whatever relationships and fill in the blank, whichever kind of relationship, because we're not able to do that. And part of the reason we're not able to do that is we don't have time to do that. And we haven't uh, like in, in the, the hurricane storm, chaos, woo, that work is, the, the, the time for the skills and building the skills for healthy relationships and communication just like ends up going out the window because you got to take the dog to the vet. They got to, you know, take the kids to school. You got to like, you know, get their help them with their homework projects. Fill in the blank. You you guys know better than I do because I don't have no kids. <laughs> but my but you see what, my, what I'm saying. <clears throat> yeah, I think think what um, is said here is work becomes the priority, so everything else takes you know a backseat to in your life, and you have to focus because you got to make an income. 
And I think in the beginning clip that we had our friend Richard Berry um, read, he actually addresses that. There's one part of that where he's saying, you know, how, how work is seeping into family, our family systems. And I, I think like you're saying, you don't, we're trying to have these good relationships. We're trying to have a healthy society, but you can't have that mm. if the priority is we got to make a profit at all costs, right. even at the cost of family. Even at the cost of family. And I mean, guys, that affects us in the long run. I mean, if, if parents can't be present with their children because they're too absent physically, absent mentally, emotionally, you know, whether that's just stress, overwhelm, or not having the skills to be present with their kid, there's going to, there's a high price to pay for that. Well, what do you mean, Lacey? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. If a kid is not, is going through some type of abuse at school or difficulty at school, or just in general needs to be heard, which is that's a kid for you and you can't be present and there with them, that's going to have lasting emotional effects on them. See also Dr. Gabor Mate, if you don't believe me, listen to some of his stuff. I mean, reality check, a human, a human being is way more important, way more important. Like raising a human being, taking care of a human being, uh, a little human is so much more important than bottom lines, red, red, and you know, being in the red and being in the black. Yeah. Hard I mean, yeah. yeah. I think it's, what it yeah. speaks to is that society that we don't value um, these relationships in the family. And you and I have talked about this, Lacey, where you look at other countries and you look at the resources they have or the systems in place to support really good social networks, you know, um, mm. and it makes their lives. I mean, you can see they're happier because they have childcare or they have, you know, healthcare or they have elderly care. And to me, that shows that you do value yes. humans in your society. But when we don't have that, which we don't have that in our country, yeah. then to me, that speaks to that we are more interested in the bottom line than people's lives. Right. And at some point that does also affect the bottom line, you know, because these, the children that grow up neglected or, you know, the children that can't eat because they're in a poverty household um, and then can't learn to read. Those are the people who are going to be making decisions. And, you know, at some point in time when they become adults and a part of the, working class and these that that's going to affect us. And if our mental health and our physical health is in a bad place, that does affect what we're doing every day. And what we're doing every day is participating in these jobs. And so I don't understand how we don't, how more of us aren't starting to see how inextricably linked the two are. Super yeah, I think um, you bring up a good point. I never understood that people don't realize that the youth of today are going to be the adults of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be our nurses and doctors and teachers and whatever, you know, all the jobs that we imagine that are out there. And so crime, crime goes up, like you're saying, if yep. you're not taking care of society and those that have, 
you know, that are struggling. So if we don't have a more humane way of looking at our world, our, our, you know, our specific environment, then that eventually affects all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I want to move the last few minutes we have here. I want to move into that fear of freedom, social control. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add on to this. Okay. All right, cool. Let's, let's do it. Um, uh, let's see. So the fear of freedom and work as a social control, I think this is super, super interesting. And I'm going to let you kind of lead this one, Sonia. Okay. Cool. Well, here they're kind of discussing work as a social contract. And an example is I'll give you, as they say, I do think there's a fear of freedom, a fear among the powerful that people might find something better to do than create profits Mm. for capitalism. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting because one of the things that I I think is uh, kind of scary to some maybe political people or just leaders is what if the masses decide they don't want to work? You know, that hurts the people at the top. Right. And I think it's an interesting concept because one of the things they talk about in this article is they, they give examples where they follow some people, a group of people that actually, you know, are that now aren't working and they're in the, you know, not work environment and how these people actually thrive and feel better and they feel wholesome and healthy. But then they also talk about this other study where the people weren't, you know, they were missing, I guess, the structure of their jobs and their life as a worker as opposed to not working. But the author of the article points out that for us to go into leisure and do things like music and arts and sports and whatever, you need that time to develop that. It's not like you're going to go from one day that you're work, 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 and then the next day you're Mm -hmm. going to go into leisure. Like we actually have to adapt to that. And we also need an environment that supports it. Yeah, it's it's a process of being able to transition and learn it's relearning how to do life. I mean, it doesn't come automatically once you just say, I'm going to not work anymore. Well, all you've been doing is working for all this time. And so it's, it's a, it's a process to learn that. Um, And so I think that's super, super interesting. And I mean, I think, you know, there's a health that comes along with it. And I think that's part of why people, I think, it's so easy for us to all fall into this idea of like working all the time, because when we are, when we have anxieties and stress, emotional, mentally, emotionally and mentally that we're not processing, it's so much easier to just run to work. And that is a thing that kind of fills our time because empty time and empty space can feel really scary because then we start to feel all of, the emotions that we've been repressing. I mean, it's, it's also a, a form or a way to avoid our feelings. And so to me, I think that is a, is an important thing to, to do whenever we're in a process of um, becoming a healthier individual. Yeah. I think um, it's really interesting to me in that article. He, the author discusses like the different countries and how each, you know, country relates so he talks about, um, I think in France, they were, they were lowered the work week to 35 hours. In Germany, mm-hmm. they looked at also people that were, you know, child care, that had children, giving them less hours. So I thought those were interesting uh, concepts or trials to try to do. But then 
they talk about that in the U.S., this mm -hmm. one writer writes an article for Politico that was back in 2014 about yeah. all he talks about is working less hours. And people were, uh, you know, giving him death threats, calling him a devil worshiper. Oh, my God. Socialist. Now, I think we've come today at two, you know, 2022. We're looking at it differently. But I mean, 2014 wasn't that long ago. So I think it scares people too to think, oh my gosh, you're talking about not working or post-work. Um, it's a concept that I think is obviously now gaining traction, but mm -hmm. it was really, you couldn't even talk about this. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think um, now also the conversation around a basic, a universal basic income is, um, you know, much more welcomed than it was in yeah. 2016. And um, of course, a UBI universal basic income would allow a lot of people the space to, you know, take the time to do art, create music, um, you know, to journal, to learn life skills, to build stronger, healthier relationships, to be physically, mentally, and emotionally present with their kids. Cause like, that's what kids really want. They just want you to be there with them, you know, dance in the kitchen with them. They want to do a dance off dance party in the kitchen. That's what they want. These types of things. And so, um, you know, basic income is a great solution, especially considering climate change and automation, which of course the intro clip mentioned at the end, um, you know, as we, uh, played for you guys. So yeah, I really would like to dig into universal basic income too. That's something we can bring to this podcast and yes. educate our, I'm sure people now it's more mainstream, but it, it's a great topic to talk about. And there's so much to dive into it. Cause there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of pushback about what uh, UBI is and whether it'll work and is it going to cause too much inflation and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of research out there that shows it's, it's not, and it's great. So we have talked about that. We're likely going to do a uh, series on that in the future. So guys, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Sonia, last, last words to the fans and the people out there tonight. Um, also second that, thank you for listening and go research this topic because it's fascinating. And I think our world is changing and uh, hopefully we can live in a world where work is not what we've known it to be where it's a uh, soul crushing. <laughs> yes. That's what we hope for. And we hope you'll come back and be with us next time on the next episode of the rethinking humanity podcast. Thanks everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye guys. Bye.